This is Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. I'm Father Yuri Claudio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my friend and teacher, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Here we are. We're going to be talking about chrismation. But before we get to actually chrismation, the topic of this episode, Father Jeffrey, we have to take a quick step back because we've mentioned this aspect of the baptismal service in a couple of other episodes, but it's the donning of the baptismal robe. Um, and we, you know, we mentioned that after the candidate is plunged into the waters of baptism, they are then lifted out, they are dried off, and then they are given a new, what would have traditionally been a white robe. Nowadays, you might see people wear uh, like a white, white pants and a white t-shirt or a, a white robe, or there's kind of a variety of things that people might wear. Um, but I think it'd be worth just exploring a little bit the uh, baptismal garment uh, of the white robe. It seems to be something that has come to us from the earliest Christian time, right? I mean, it's mentioned there's in the book of Revelation, you have this image of the heavenly um, praise of God, and you have all of the holy ones of God wearing white robes. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'll, I'll let you take it away from there, Father Jeffrey, but uh, the white robe, what should we know? Yeah. I would start with, you know, the reason has to be mentioned a couple of times here is that it is both a culmination of what's happened as well as the kind of foretaste of what's to come, right? So the the, the white robe is because of baptism, but it's also because an anointing is about to take place and all that that means. So it's, it looks backwards and forwards, right? Uh, and I think that's that's an interesting you know kind of moment. It's the hinge really that brings these two services together. If you look in the Ephrologion, you know the service book or the, Treb, the Trebnik, the Book of Needs uh, in Slavic tradition, um, the baptism service and the chrismation service are kind of set apart, right? And, you know, by the time you get to the printing press, you know they have different chapter titles and, and that sort of thing. However, it's a seamless service, right? Because mm-hmm. the very first rubric of the service of chrismation is. And when he has put the garment on him or her, right? So the, the the robe itself is the hinge, right? And as I say, it looks backwards. It is, you know, why do we wear a white garment here? It's because we have died to our sinful nature and put on the incorrupt nature of the new man, put on Christ, right? And that is a that is one in which our sins are completely obliterated. We just had that wonderful episode um, about, you know, Psalm 31, which is about that 180 degree turn from darkness of sin to the the joy and light of forgiveness of grace. And so the white is that, you know, you're you're you will be as white as snow kind of thing, right? It's that the perfect purity and holiness, uh, which is that radical newness uh, of life, you know, in Christ of, of complete forgiveness. So it's that backwards looking thing in that regard, back to the baptism, it, it culminates or, or climaxes the, that service. But it's also what chrismation is all about. You know, it's, it's a kind of dawning of a new reality, which, you know, is royal, right, and kingly, it's priestly, it's prophetic, it's that garment that is worn, you know, in the the covenant family of God for all of these different roles. And Christ was king, 
and priest and prophet, fulfillment of all of those Old Testament types, is the new life that, that we put on. And that's going to come with, with responsibility, right? It's an ordination garment in that regard. Um, in fact, you know, I think we referred to it before, the, the stikarion that is the fundamental ordination robe uh, or a robe of the clergy, whether you're a deacon, a presbyter, or a bishop, you, the first garment is that stikarion. That is the baptismal garment, right? And the fact that lay people don't ordinarily wear it does not take away from the fact that they have a right to wear that, right? That mm-hmm. That is what is given at this point. And so there's this, you know, it's not the end of the story to be baptized. It's the beginning of a story of service, of ministry, of priesthood, of being baptized into Christ's kingship, priesthood, and prophetic ministry. And so uh, it has a hinge because it's culminating something, but it's also the beginning of something. And you need to wear this robe in order then to be anointed for the life of a Christian, which is a life of diakonia, of ministry, of service, uh, a life of priesthood. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really important not to miss that, that mm-hmm. part here. And it's not just a, you know, temporary symbol. It is the permanent reality of one who is brought into the new life of the kingdom. All right. So I want to paint a little bit of a word picture to um, contextualize where we stand in the service and then we can move on from there, Father Jeffrey. Um, so, uh, you know, the people have arrived. It's perhaps the services started at the back of the church with the exorcisms. Uh, there's a couple of prayers that happen there. There's a, a move. There's the um, denouncing of the devil and the proclamation of Christ. Uh, there's the movement towards the front of the church. There's the proclamation of the kingdom. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's the litany of peace. There's the great blessing of water. There is the blessing of oil that's put into the water. Uh, we described it a little bit as sort of like a luxurious um, expression of God's uh, beauty of creation, right? This this water with the oil and, and everything like that. Um, and then we had the actual baptism. So the candidate is plunged into that luxurious water and then is lifted out, is dried, the robe is put on them. And then here we are, everything, the chaos of that moment has subsided the candidate is back in the middle of the church with the presbyter, and we now begin um, the order of holy chrismation. So I thought what I would do, Father Jeffrey, is read just the quick rubric and then the prayer that happens just before the chrismation. Does that make sense? Yep. <laughs> anything you want to add before I... Nope. Uh, anything you want to add to my word picture or anything like that? No. Okay. I'm, I'm well situated by what you've just described. I hope all of our listeners are as well. Perfect. Okay. So after here it says after the child, but it should probably say after the candidate has been vested in the garment, the presbyter begins. Blessed are you, O Lord God Almighty, source of all good things, son of righteousness, who dost shed forth upon them that wear in darkness the light of salvation through the revelation of your only begotten Son and our God, who and who has given unto us, unworthy though we be, blessed purification through hallowed water and divine sanctification through life-creating chrismation who now also has been graciously pleased to regenerate your servant that has newly received illumination by water and the spirit and grants unto him or her remission of sins, whether voluntary or involuntary, 
Do you, the same master, compassionate king of kings, grant also unto him or her the seal of the gift of your holy and almighty and adorable spirit and participation in the holy body and precious blood of your Christ? Keep him or her in your sanctification. Confirm him or her in the orthodox faith. Deliver him or her from every from the evil one and from all his workings and preserve his or her soul in purity and righteousness through the saving fear of you that he or she may please you in every word and deed and may be a child and heir of your heavenly kingdom. For you are our God, the God who shows mercy and, and saves us. And unto you we ascribe glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. So there's a lot going on here. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of language of participation and illumination. Um, so there's the darkness. We have the newly, um, that has newly received illumination by water and the spirit. Um, there's also participation in the body and blood of Christ. The, um, there's being the confirmed in the faith, um, protection against the evil one. So it's kind of like a holistic picture of what it actually means to be a Christian, isn't it? Absolutely. And also new birth, right? To be born again. Uh, and that's not just a casual metaphor, right? This mm -hmm. genuinely is what is happening. You know, the uh, until this moment, um, this person has lived from the past as a product of everything that was, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we've talked about what that kind of looks like, right? That, that, that idea that, you know, we, we sort of clamber after some kind of security in ourselves and we try to make ourselves, you know, successful or, you know, we try to hide the, the bad things and, and we try to show this, you know, good face to the world. That goes nowhere, right? So th that old man is dead. And what is born now is something not from the past, not from everything that was, but something from the very end, something from the kingdom. And so that's the difference between old and new man, between the, the, the person who belongs to the age that is passing away and the person who belongs new in this new way to the, the newness of life, of new creation, of the age that to come that is already arriving and has arrived, you know, and been inaugurated by the life death uh, and rising of Christ himself. And so it's that sense that we talk about, you know, forgiveness of sins. It's not just, uh, like I mentioned before, we talk about the Psalms, about a kind of, some kind of transactional thing. Well, if I do this, then this particular fault will be, you know, overlooked or will be, you know, kind of given some sort of, um, you know, probation or parole or whatever. It's not that. It's a completely different way of living. You can either live as a product of what you were, uh, you know, your history, everything you've done, the whole family history that's gone into who you are, or you can live from the end. You can live with this new eschatological reality and, um, and, and being, right? And so that's what new birth is all about. Remission of sins that we talk about in the, in the creed, baptism for the remission of sins is about this turning from being a person from history into being a person from the kingdom, from, from the end. And to be in that place is everything you just described, right? It's about being, you know, cleansed. It's about being illumined. It's about being delivered. It's about being protected. And, and, and so we should, you know, really accept the fullness of what that means to be reborn, to be a, you know, people say, well, are you a born again Christian? Well, there is no other kind, you know, to be a Christian is in, to be from 
this, from this reality of the kingdom. And then it's going to affect every part of your life. And the rest of this service with this anointing, this commissioning, this being sent out, this being empowered by the, the grace and the operation of the Holy Spirit is to live that life to its fullness. Now, of course, we're going to fall short of that and we're going to have to return to it again and again and again. But you know, taking this prayer forward and knowing that every, each and every one of us who is a Christian has had this prayer prayed you know, for us and all of the you know, depth and importance of what's being prayed here. It, it, this could be really what we need to put in front of our, our eyes all the time in terms of our Christian uh, walk and our, our ministry you know, in the world. Let's not forget this. This isn't just a ritual passage, you know, as some sort of marking of this person becoming a member of a group or, or whatever. This is a total change of being. And you know, we need to, to live up to that in every part of our lives. The podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom. Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to our private podcast, go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. So before we move on with our discussion on chrismation, I think it's probably worth talking about that word chrismation. So, you know, you'll hear the word in this podcast or in the church, you'll hear the word chrism or chrismation. These are words that really aren't used. Like I think a couple of episodes we talked about anointing, right? And anointing is not really a word we use in our everyday language, but it's a word that is kind of a regular word that we could use. It's just that we don't come up with that situation that often. Um, whereas chrismation really seems to be a word that has like churchy associations and things like that. Um, so I'm wondering, Father Jeffrey, if you could unpack a little bit about chrismation and the word chrism. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if you could do that. Yeah, okay. So the here we have... A, a direct connection, and you might have surmised this from from its letters uh, to the word Christ, right? Mm. And you know, most people I think are familiar with the the term Christ, which refers to the one who's anointed, right? And in the Hebrew, it's Mashiach, right? The, the anointed one. So the Messiah. In expectation, in, in Jewish terms, is the one that God was to anoint to perform certain things. And it has all of those layers that we refer to of, of, of kingship, of priesthood, of prophecy, and all that comes together. So Christ himself, Jesus himself, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descends and anoints him as that, to fulfill that role, to be the fulfillment of Israel uh, in the person of the Messiah, of the, the anointed one of the Christ. So, uh, so the idea of anointing, uh, so we, in English, we get, you know, words from, from different sources, right? So um, the, the, directly from Greek, we get the idea of being chrismated, 
from Latin, essentially, we get the word anoint. Uh, so, but they both mean the same thing. So they, they are perfectly synonymous. You'll find some mm. translations of what you just read, um, you know, in the prayer there, you know, where it refers to the life-giving chrismation. It could equally be translated as life-giving anointing. And we've talked before about it. That's a word we're a little bit more familiar with, this idea of being you know, smeared with something or have some some kind of oil applied to us and, and, and so forth. But you're right, chris, chrismation is a term today in English that would be reserved almost exclusively, you know, for, you know, Christian tradition that, that observes, you know, this holy oil as a symbol of God's anointing by the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's a very special oil, you know, probably deserves a whole podcast in itself to talk about that and, you know, all the different spices and herbs that go into, you know, preparing it as well as the whole process. I mean, effectively, um, this is the, the, tangible representation of the laying on of hands of the apostles and every you know drop of chrism that we have today the holy miron another uh, name given for it because of the myrrh um, that is one of the constituent spices here um, you know in terms of preparing it but that every drop of that is connected right back to the very earliest church and to the apostles you know themselves the same way we have this kind of uh, tactile apostolic succession. You know, you and I were ordained to the presbyterate by an episcopus, by a bishop who received his orders from another bishop going right back to the apostles themselves. We have that tactile succession of laying on of hands. Well, so too the, the holy oil that we have in the Orthodox Church has been, you know, expanded and shared and blessed and ad- added to and, and reprepared over the centuries, going right back to to the very earliest church. It's one of those tangible signs of the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit since Pentecost. So um, I forget where I was going with all this, but yeah, essentially, no, this good. Yeah. okay. So chrismation it has it applies, you know, is talking about this anointing with with the oil. Mm-hmm. The chrism is a special prepared oil. It's different from that oil of anointing that we already had in the service, which is an oil of gladness, a blessing. It's simply olive oil come off the shelf, blessed during this service. Here, the chrism it has this deep and you know traditional you know uh, sense, and uh, it 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 really connects us to that moment where Christ himself was anointed as Messiah, um, as the one who was the fulfillment of, of all the expectation of, of Israel. And what did that look like? You know, our Lord himself says the beginning of his ministry, the Holy Spirit has anointed me for this. And he goes on to talk about, you know, deliverance of the captives, the relief of the poor, the, the healing of the sick and, and so forth. That's what the messianic age is to look like. And so, we can't escape that element here. Yes, this is the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit in a kind of personal Pentecost sense for for each and every person brought into the church. But it, those gifts aren't just to kind of become selfish. We don't become, we don't do with the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit what we had previously done with sin, where we covered it up and hid it and 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 and. You know, protected our, our it from the world. Right? We it is precisely to go out into the world it's a it's for ministry it's it's for all of those aspects of kingship and priesthood and prophecy that our lord himself was anointed mm-hmm. uh, by the holy spirit all right so the the presbyter has then uh exclaimed this prayer and then here's the rubric from the church book the presbyter dips his fingers or the brush into the holy chrism 
and anoints the newly baptized person, tracing the sign of the cross on the forehead, the eyes, the nostrils, the lips, on both ears, the breast, the hands, and the feet, and each time, and saying each time, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there are two traditions. In some churches, you'll hear the people exclaim, Amen, after every single instance, or you'll hear the people exclaim, sealed after every single instance that the priest uh, that the presbyter says the seal of the gift of the holy spirit so again we're getting this anointing of the whole body um with with the sign of the cross and um and it's the seal of the gift of the holy spirit which really brings to mind the story of jesus coming up from the waters and the holy spirit descending on him in the form of a dove and pentecost as well the seal of the gift of the holy spirit it's a very powerful moment even for even for people that don't know what's happening so to speak which is me most of the time i'm just sort of in the moment usually i've been the one singing the the service which means that sometimes you're not quite paying attention to the particularities of the prayer but this moment comes and it's a focused moment the seal of the gift of the holy spirit and the congregation responds amen or sealed it's very beautiful very powerful even if we don't quite know what's what's going on um yeah, yeah I'll, I'll leave it there the, with you, Father Jeffrey. The, there's a few short words there, but they're powerful, right? And and striking, and maybe all the more so because there are there are so few. I mean, it, we've just heard this maybe more lengthy prayer and explanation, but when you actually get to that ritual moment, as we spoke before, when we got to baptism, it it, it seems to the point, right? And but the words here, therefore, just jump out. You know, words like seal. You know, in the Greek, it's um, sphragis, uh, which you know, I, and as you, I think you're right. I mean, even for people, maybe who, family members who aren't connected with the Christian church or whatever, they kind of get what's going on here, you know, because they understand things like, you know, the farmer who brands his herd, right? Well, what does it mean when you take that, um, you know, the, the, that metal and you put it in the fire and you apply that to the hide of your cattle, right? To mark your herd um, because you own it, right? It belongs, you know, to you. Well, this is what God is doing to us. That application of the sign of the cross on all the parts of, of the body is an imprint of the one who owns us. We have given ourselves over to the life of God himself. We've stopped living for ourselves. We've stopped hiding ourselves, you know, from the reality of the cosmos and of the creator of the cosmos and we've given ourselves over to him and we've said seal you know seal me imprint upon me put this brand on me well i mean we, we sing this kind of thing of you know putting on christ well we put on every aspect of his life of the pattern of his life the 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 fullness you know of his life and and that is represented in this imprint the sign of our new life in christ and it's, so it's a seal. It's also a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? It's, it's not even, you know, the seal of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, and then which you could maybe start to take in a kind of abstract, you know, form. Well, okay, we're, we're putting on the branding, you know, like what you put on a Nike logo or Adidas or something like that, you know, you wear the branding. No, this is a gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself given to us i mentioned a personal pentecost or or a you know a sacramental experience rather that opens us 
to the reality of what Pentecost is and always will be for the church, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the whole of, of creation. And we, we are opened in the fullness of ourselves to what that means and therefore equipped, given the gifts of the Spirit in order to do the work of the Spirit and to live the life of Christ. So everything that Christ is and represents in the Gospels, we are called you know, to fulfill. I, I love the you know, what Metropolitan Anthony Bloom, you know, once said that it should be possible for the texts of the Gospels to be lost and for the, them to be rewritten based on how the Christian lives, right? How, how all of us as the church live, as the body of Christ. So everything that Jesus does, we are equipped and empowered to do by this personal gift of the Holy Spirit and the sealing of, of that you know, Christ branding on our, our, ourselves and it's bodily and as well as in our spirit, uh, you know, so it's every part of, of our being. It's, as you mentioned, the forehead, the eyes, the, the nostrils, the lips, both ears. So all of the senses in that regard, and then the breast. So the heart, the hands, what do we get up to with our hands, our feet, you know, can go out into the world. Blessed are the feet, you know, uh, of those who go and proclaim the good news, the good tidings uh, of God. So everything, in, in that short phrase, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit of, of the Christian life is being represented here, right? So it, it, it says so much in such a short space. So as I say, or as you've mentioned, you know, even those who don't know much about this can kind of get this at a very kind of instinctive, you know, level, what, what's being represented by this ritual act in the sacrament and the, the short phrase, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It kind of reminds me of our discussion about the, the actual baptism right? Because it's so short and it's just, it happens and we sort of reflect on it after, like we're going to reflect on it with the scripture readings and everything like that. Um, it sort of reminds me of that. It's just so short and powerful, right? Um, the, obviously, I think this process lasts probably a little bit longer because the presbyter has to actually do this over and over again. Um, but yeah, I think there is something stronger about just having those, that short phrase um, yeah, I have something else, but if you wanted to add to that, Father Jeffrey, you could. Yeah, I, not really. I mean, it, it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's probably true of, in some ways of most of, you know, the sacraments. I think we've, we've talked before, you know, if you needed to reduce these things to a particular, you know, moment, you know, where is that? It became a big question in particularly in the Christian West, you know, through the Middle Ages and to the Protestant Reformation, you know, where, where is it really happening? You know, if we had to only have one thing mm -hmm. from this, well, if you just took this phrase out and the ritual action of, of the anointing, you know, with the oil, would you have a chrismation or is the, the entirety, you know, uh, of the service? But, um, but, but there has to always be you know, although the whole, from an Orthodox perspective, we always say it's, it is the entirety of the service that matters, right? And and that you can't really separate it out, like with the baptism. You know, it matters that you do all of the preparatory prayers and and the scripture readings and so forth, and these are all an important part uh, of the service. But but ultimately, I mean there are decisive moments, right? It, there is that truth to it as well, that we there we have to commit. And here, by accepting this seal, 
you know, there was a moment when you were not branded and now you are branded, right? So it, it does happen and it has to happen in a kind of moment of, of, of crisis, right? Would, you know, the Greek word there means a kind of, you know, decision, um, you know, that kind of nexus point, you know, there, there was a before and there's going to be an after. There was a before, there was the, an old man and there's a new man. So you, much as we would like to say, yeah, there's this whole totality of a service that goes over many minutes, an hour, there is actually a decisive point. And I think by the service does this in a neat way, you know, by having all of those hymns and prayers and, and rituals and so forth, but, but then ultimately presenting a kind of clean, you know, very stark, I suppose is the way of talking about it. there's a stark moment where, you know, all of our attention is arrested. We may not be paying attention to every word of the whole service, but here, pay attention, the seal of the mm. gift of the Holy Spirit has a starkness about it, a kind of, there's a black and whiteness about it because we've gone from darkness, you know, to light. And so I, I think that's important too. You know, we're, we're, we do both, you know, it's not a matter of saying, well, because of that, you could just do this moment and that would be that, you know, we, we try, we, we always as much as possible serve the whole service, but nevertheless, there are, there are moments of, of clean, decisive action. And, and here is one of them. For the sake of full disclosure, I will admit that I find this moment of the service um, more powerful or or more. I don't want to say more meaningful, but it it it, um, it draws more emotion from me than does the actual plunging into the water, the actual baptism itself. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, <laughs> but uh, one of the reasons why is because. Uh, the presbyter, you know, as he anoints the candidates as the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we as the congregation respond, amen, or sealed, right? And that, in my experience of being in the congregation and saying that word, amen, or sealed, really makes me feel like I was a, am a participant in like it's not just the presbyter doing his magic over there right that it is us as a congregation who are together participating in the sealing of this newly baptized person um i think that's why i really felt i really feel sort of a connection um maybe even a responsibility or yeah, maybe just a connection is the best word with the newly baptized in that moment to say sealed um, and, and welcoming them into that community. I'm not sure if you've had the same. I'm not sure if I'm alone in feeling this way, but uh, yeah, I'll throw it over to you, Father Jeffrey. Yeah, I think that that's a, it's, it's not a bad thing, you know, to feel. I, I mean, there is a, a certain amount of interaction around the baptism itself because there's the amens on each of the three immersions. Um, but there are these moments in the service where clearly, um, you know, we do feel really together, right? Um, because you're right. I mean, the although the whole service is done by the whole community and you couldn't you know, do it without the whole community, much as people try to kind of make these private affairs um, apart from, from the whole community. The whole community is always implicated, right? But, you know, for a lot of pragmatic reasons, there are certain people who take up the, the bulk of the, the work here in terms of praying the prayers, the presbyter or the deacon leading litanies or the choir singing, you know, things. So here are these moments where 
absolutely, you feel this real togetherness that this is in fact a communal body of Christ that is this person has been brought into. And, and as I say, you know, even if we think of this as the personal Pentecost, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit for this person, what it really is, is an openness to the one Pentecost, right? There is not, everybody doesn't get their own body of Christ. Uh, everybody doesn't get their own Holy Spirit. It, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, uh, one spirit. And that therefore is some it's a shared you know experience and so uh it, it both expresses that uh communality the 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 bodily one bodily nature of this but it also it's this tangible reminder i mean we should be experiencing this at regular intervals long after our own baptism and chrismation so that we are reminded precisely of that right and that's why it's really powerful to to retain the ancient tradition of doing this at that time when we are celebrating the paschal mystery you know so if this is done communally that's one thing but if it's done at pascha you know where all of the reality you know comes to bear and we remember our own you know, experience of this. Our own baptism is called into play, our own chrismation. And so when we say sealed, you know, it's it's not only, you know, a kind of communal way of welcoming this person, it's our own reminder that we are all part of this one reality. Enacting the Kingdom is a patron-supported show. And if you're not a patron, you're only getting half of everything we create. If you'd like to join our growing community of supporters, please go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Your patronage goes a long way to keeping this show going. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.